One of the best ways to get an upper hand on your opponents in fantasy football this year is to know which players are going to break out in fantasy football this year, and that is exactly what we are going to talk about on today's episode of the Fantasy Football Fellows Podcast. Welcome in. My name is Lucas Wenzel, and as always, I am joined by one of my fellow co-hosts, not Cameron today, Tyler is hanging out tonight. Uh, you can find him at Tyler Plath on Twitter. I am at Lucas Wentz. So we will be breaking down both running back and wide receiver breakouts this year. Uh, and we won't we won't be discussing the the obvious, you know, Bijan Robinsons or uh, Garrett Wilsons like you hear everywhere else, right? We want to take a little bit of a deeper dive on some of these other players that could be in for breakout years because you already know. You already know Garrett Wilson's going to have a breakout year. You already know Chris Olave is going to have a breakout year. If someone says they're going to be a bust this year, that is far more of a hot take or a like substantial take maybe than them breaking out this year. So we're going to dive in to four wide receivers and four running backs uh, who could be in for breakout years in fantasy football this year. I'm, I'm hyping this episode up a lot because we're going to talk about some of these lesser talked about breakout names. So uh, I'm not going to keep you waiting. Let's dive on into it. So as I talked about, we are going to dive in to four running backs and four wide receivers that have a high probability of breaking out in fantasy football this year and not the names that you've already heard. So Ty, I'm going to have you start um, who's your first running back breakout for this year? Well, first, hello, people. I'm back. Um, he is back. It's good to be back. Um, my first running back breakout is uh, is not a very sexy name this year because of the team that he's on, but it's Rashad White. And this is really exclusive for PPR formats because in half PPR and standard, it, like, best ball even because that's half PPR as well. You look at Rashad White as a receiving threat and in those formats, receiving is not so much a factor as it is in PPR. So just in a PPR context, Rashad White is sneakily going under the radar right now and he needs to be talked about more because, again, the receiving threat that he is. Last year with Tom Brady and you look at the receiving depth of Rashad White, 51% of his catches were behind the line of scrimmage, and that bodes really well for this year because he's now got the leader in checkdown rate from last year in Baker Mayfield. So that's a really good sign there. But 48% of his receptions were in the short range, anywhere from zero to nine yards. So again, around the line of scrimmage makes it really, really easy for a quarterback like Baker Mayfield. Now, new offensive coordinator Dave Canales comes over from Seattle where they mainly ran a zone scheme where we saw Kenneth Walker average four point or excuse me, four yards per carry between the tackles, but a whopping 5.5 yards per carry outside the tackles. And Rashad White last year in a different scheme, in a gap scheme, had 3.6 yards per carry between the tackles, but 4.3 yards per carry outside the tackles. And if you want to take a guess at what scheme Rashad White is most efficient in, because it wasn't very efficient last year, he ran a 
zone scheme in college at Arizona State, which is where he got his notoriety from coming out of college. So he is more than likely going to benefit the most from a scheme change because, again, we're going from a gap scheme to a zone scheme, and that's where he's most comfortable in. So the thing with Rashad White is he's just he's not great between the tackles. We know that based on last year. So the entire rushing volume probably won't go to him, right? We're not going to see a, a, a bell cow back with Rashad White. And it makes sense after what Dave Canales said yesterday about uh, Keyshawn Vaughn. I don't know if it was yesterday, actually. It was a couple days ago. When you hear um, this episode, it'll be a couple days ago. Yeah. It was, yeah, a couple days ago. He said, I think that one of the cool parts on offense is Keyshawn Vaughn. We call him Sneak. He's our two-back, and he's a fantastic runner. Just quick feet in the hole, sturdy build, and he's just got a natural feel for it. I'm going to emphasize quick feet in the hole. Uh, you find the holes between the tackles. There are no holes outside the tackles. So that, you know, that sounds like split backfield, right? You got your main rusher in Keyshawn Vaughn and a receiving guy in Rashad White. But here's the thing in PPR, it's not the end of the world that he's that Rashad White doesn't get the entire rushing volume because his receiving work is going to make up for it. So again, this team, Tampa is not as pretty as it used to be with Tom Brady, but there is a player in Rashad White that is going to benefit a lot from where they are going into this year. Baker Mayfield as a check down QB, him as a receiving threat, going to his own scheme. It's going to be a lot of fun watching Rashad White succeed in fantasy this year. I think people are scared that because it's not Tom Brady, that he's not going to check down as much, right? Like, it's like, oh my gosh, look at the amount of targets he peppered Leonard Fournette with that he peppered Rashad White with last year. Uh, Let's not forget, Tom Brady threw the ball 733 times last year. Like, that led the league by by 30 attempts. Um, Now, yes, those targets will come down. You also take away pretty much Leonard Fournette's entire target share because I don't think they're going to use Keyshawn Vaughn. I don't think they're going to use Chase Edmonds, who's just seemingly fallen off the face of the earth. Apparently, nobody likes Chase Edmonds anymore. And like you said, I think if they start throwing Keyshawn Vaughn, throwing him in the A-gap instead of Rashad White, all of a sudden, you're, you're getting more efficient touches for Rashad White. You're allowing him to be a playmaker on offense instead of, well, Rashad White's going to be a workhorse, which I think sometimes we kind of fall in love with. But when you look at PPR formats, um, again, the, the that receiving game work is far more valuable than getting Najee Harris type of volume and not being able to do anything in PPR formats, right? So I I sneaky agree. I think he I think he could be in for for a more sizable year than people want to give him credit for, especially if they start using him in a more explosive way on offense versus well, he's the bell cow. Gonna throw him out there. Uh, I think actually Keyshawn Vaughn might be able to help that efficiency. Obviously, we want the best of all worlds, and we want you know a Christian McCaffrey. You wanna know how many Christian McCaffreys there are in the NFL? Two. Well, one, I mean Austin Eckler, but like you get what I mean for fantasy football. There's really only one or two Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, and it's, and it's those two guys. So uh, if we're talking breakout, like Rashad white, I think you could find him inside of the top 15 in quite a handful of weeks this year. Uh, I, I don't hate that at all. Uh, I am. I'm slowly creeping up on Rashad white. 
I believe he's sitting right around my RB21 right now. Where's he at for you? I think he's my RB21, but he may start climbing up my board a bit. Yeah, and as we get closer to the season here, as we start learning what role some of these players are actually going to have in their offenses, our draft guide uh, will be tweaked every single week. We'll be sending that out. So if you if you don't have that in your hands already, fellas, draftguide.com, uh, you can pay the $10 there or you can come compete against us in fantasy football by heading over to Underdog Fantasy and using our code fellas when you sign up. Underdog is going to match your first deposit up to $100. So you could, instead of just giving us $10, you could throw $10 at Underdog. They'll double it, make it 20 You can come get into six drafts with us that way. We're hosting $3 drafts every single day. You just have to use our code. And you'll get the draft guide for free. So, I mean, that's kind of the no-brainer situation there, right? Uh, we love Underdog. They support us. So uh, if, you, if you appreciate them, you can support the show by uh, supporting them as well. We're, we're grateful for our friends over at underdog. Uh, I, I'm going to talk a little bit of Alexander Madison here. I've seen a, a decent amount of pushback uh, on, on Madison uh, on Twitter recently. And, and I get it. I, I really do. Like we see all, we've seen all the graphics before we we've seen all the tweets, right? Alvin cook misses four games. Alexander Madison comes in RB seven, RB six, RB eight, RB 13. Yeah, he was pretty freaking good. He was pretty freaking good. Uh, that was in 2021. So I like want to put pause on that. That was before Kevin O'Connell ran this offense. Very different. When we look at the metrics Dalvin Cook had while Kevin O'Connell was running this offense last year. And let me also say Alexander Madison is probably not going to be a one-for-one replacement of Dalvin Cook. I think he's a little bit of a downgrade. Unfortunately, even though Dalvin is aging and efficiency was declining, like Alexander Madison hasn't been the most efficient back in the world either. At any rate, you look at some of Dalvin's advanced metrics from last year, he was fifth in snap share. So he was on the field a crap ton. Uh, he was ninth in weighted opportunities. He was sixth in carries, despite Minnesota being 28th in team run plays per game last year. This was a top three passing offense in the league last year in terms of pass rate. Uh, and and Dalvin Cook was still top seven in carries last year, which is no no joke. So the volume could be there for Alexander Madison. But I think the thing that, that really catches my eye is Dalvin Cook, he was second in routes run amongst running backs last year. I mean, that makes sense considering the Minnesota Vikings threw the ball at the, the, the third most times last year. Kirk Cousins threw the ball the third most times at the third highest pass play rate. So you're going to get Alexander Madison on the field in, in situations where, where fantasy points, valuable fantasy points at the running back position can be accumulated. We all know how valuable a reception is in PPR formats for running backs. We know how good he's been without Dalvin Cook as the lead back in this offense. We know that this Minnesota Vikings offense, admittedly, is probably going to be on the field quite a bit this year. I love Brian Flores. And people are saying, I, I said the Minnesota Vikings downgraded in personnel this offseason, and, and thus... They're going to have to pass to keep in games. And people have given me a ton of flack for that. Brian Flores doesn't automatically make this a top 15 unit in, in the NFL. Agree? Agreed. I mean, I mean, the, the, as Vikings fans, like this isn't me just being a pessimistic Vikings fan. Like this is just like, it, it's the truth. Okay. Our personnel is garbage. It's all young guys. It's going to take one or two years for these guys to actually develop into key pieces on defense. So the Vikings defense is still probably going to be a, a bottom third defense if I had to guess and this offense will be on the field quite a bit needing to pass the ball which could favor Alexander Madison in the passing game so like I look at the advanced metrics I look at what's been done without Dalvin Cook and I think there's real upside for for Alexander Madison to like have a low-end RB1 kind of season 
Um, like he's going off the board right around the RB 19 range right now. Um, I think that's probably where he ends up on the season. But if we're talking breakouts, like this is a, a, a very obvious choice. I feel like to be a breakout candidate this year, not because it's going to be such a drastic shift in production that, you know, we've seen, obviously Alexander Madison has never been a lead guy, but he's going to get the chance to do so in Minnesota. And there, and there's a legit chance uh, he, he could take total advantage of that and finish as a, t- a top 15 and even like a borderline top 12 guy this year. There is a way for that to happen. Uh, and, and I'm not going to be surprised. If it does this year. Yeah. You know, Alexander Madison isn't the talent of Dalvin cook. So it may pay dividends that if you do take Alexander Madison in your drafts, take Ty Chandler with one of those late round picks, because again, if in week one, it is really the Alexander Madison show, you pay little to nothing on Ty Chandler that you can just drop him and pick someone up on waivers then. Right. But if in the scenario that it does become a split backfield, you've got both. Right. So Alexander Madison is a fantastic option this year for a breakout. Do yourself the favor though, of having that backup option in case it doesn't happen. Couldn't agree more. Uh, I, I think handcuffing a guy like Alexander Madison is going to be smart this year because, again, those running backs that you pay little to nothing for, you end up dropping them later. Um, but, again, if, it, if if Ty Chandler ends up being the third down guy, there might be a little bit of value there. We'll see. But I, I think Alexander Madison could be in for, for a nice little breakout this year. Uh, Ty, I'll kick it back to you here. Let's, let's keep talking running backs here. Who's your second favorite running back breakout this year? Yeah, since I spent – most of my time explaining Rashad White, I'll keep this one short and sweet. It's <laughs> it's Jameer Gibbs, okay? And look, there again, there is not much else I can say that hasn't been said already on previous episodes on this channel. Um, but look, the the lines used their running backs a ton last year, right? Swift got a ton of receiving volume for it for the little amount that he was on the field, and I'm not going to say that, you know. Gibbs is going to be on the field a lot more than DeAndre Swift was. So that's the first point, right? But again, this, this offense, there is a way for Jameer Gibbs to be the number two pass catching option in, in, you know, Jameson Williams missing the first six games only helps that out. Right now, this offense has a type it's explosive, right? You have Amon Ross St. Brown, you have Jameer Gibbs, you have Jameson Williams, right? Whenever, when all those three guys are going to be playing together, we're going to see a lot of yak opportunities and we're going to see a lot of air yards. Monty is likely going to be the lead rusher, right? And it's, I mean, it's kind of similar to what I was saying with Rashad White and Keyshawn Vaughn, right? Vaughn is probably going to get, you know, I shouldn't say majority of the carries or the most carries, um, but Vaughn will take enough away from Rashad White to leave him with a lot to be desired in the rushing game. Monty's going to do the same with Jameer Gibbs. But the thing is, again, in PPR formats, it doesn't really matter that much because if you get enough receiving work, you're going to be productive and you're going to be a great fantasy asset. So look, Jameer Gibbs walked into one of the best situations, right? And we critiqued the pick, you know, in our live draft show. We were like, how is Jameer Gibbs going 12th in this draft? But just like B. John Robinson going to the Falcons at eight and how great of a landing spot it was, Gibbs to Detroit was one of the best landing spots for Gibbs and fantasy. So there's already high expectations for Jameer Gibbs, but I maybe this is my way of explaining there should be little doubt about Jameer Gibbs succeeding this year, right? 
have confidence when you draft Jameer Gibbs because he could pay he could pay a real nice dividend to you by the end of the season. The draft capital just bodes so well for him. It bodes so well for him. You look at the last guys who are drafted inside the top 12 picks in the NFL draft. Uh, I, I wanted to find the tweet from our, from front of the show, Alex Caruso, and, and pull that up and read that off. I, I, I'm going to botch the exact finishes, but but you look at you look at Todd Gurley, you look at Ezekiel Elliott, you look at Saquon Barkley, you look at Christian McCaffrey. Um, who else was in that draft with McCaffrey? Um, Fournette. That was Fournette. Thank you. I'm like I'm missing the other obvious one, and it's Leonard Fournette. They all finished top ten in fantasy points their rookie season. You look at Jameer Gibbs was top twelve. I mean, he could be a real contender for, for top 10 of fantasy points this year, and he's going to have himself a nice little breakout year. Um, he, the, the roles are just so different, and, there, and there's room for two running backs in this Lions offense. We can't forget that. There was room for two running backs last year. Like DeAndre Swift's pace and playing only 40% of the snaps in, in three games, uh, his 75 target pace was, was stupid. Absolutely stupid. So Jameer Gibbs could get this insane volume. And like if, if we're comparing him to Alvin Kamara – uh, I, I was or again our friends over at the underdog show um i was watching uh one of their videos the other day and and they brought up and, and josh norris brought up a really good point about alvin Kamara. he didn't hit 200 plus rushing attempts until his fifth year in the league and alvin Kamara was a top 10 running back in his first four years in the league can you believe that like, like, there's room for Jameer Gibbs to do this. Like, Jameer Gibbs doesn't have to see 200-plus rushing attempts to make this happen. He he just doesn't. So I I am in. I am in on Jameer Gibbs. I, I'm starting to to love, love me some Jameer Gibbs in drafts. Um, it's, he, he's typically right in that wide receiver dead zone range. I mean, on the Calvin Ridley, you look at, I mean, Amari Cooper and Keenan Allen intrigued me there. But you know, that range of Debo Samuel... Terry McLaurin, none of those guys really excite me, right? But but you see Jameer Gibbs there. And you're swinging on potentially top 10 running back this year in, in the late third, early fourth in your fantasy draft. So I, I, I am all over that this year. I, I think he could be a very nice little breakout. And I think the last little point, too, before you transition to your guy. Yep. You know, you could say this about any free agent for any, you know, or for any departed free agent. If the Lions wanted to bring back DeAndre Swift to play the receiving role, they could have. Yeah, they but could they, have. But they saw something with Jameer Gibbs, and they said, I want that. We want that instead of DeAndre Swift. Yes. They they staked their claim. They spent the 12th overall pick on this guy. They didn't have to. Like, there was rumors of, like, oh, the Jets were going to do it if he was there. Uh, I, I think I'm calling a bluff. I think, I <laughs> yeah, think I'm BS. calling a bluff on that. I think I'm calling a little bit of a bluff on that. Um, but I, I just, I don't, I don't, the path is there. The path is there. And and I think people are like too skeptical because a lot of people are hyping up Gibbs, but I think he's starting to become almost worth every penny of that. Uh, I'm going to switch gears. I'm going to, I'm going to keep same skill set of running back. Supposedly. I mean, we really didn't see it his rookie season, but, uh, we're going to keep this game's same skill set, somewhat similar role in his offense. I've been trying to find the right time to speak out on James Cook. I, I think this is time to stake my claim now. Uh, let's start with the unfortunate Naeem Hines injury. Okay. Um, Devin Singletary in Houston. 
He he led the team in targets last year. He had 50 of them. Um, Hines was really the only competition to take receiving work from, from James Cook this year. Uh, Damian Harris, not a pass catching back. Latavius Murray, not really what he's known for. Um, I mean, he, Latavius Murray can catch the ball, don't get me wrong, but like you really think in passing down situations they're going to throw in Latavius Murray? Uh, no, James Cook is going to be out on the field, and, and Devin Singletary was his only competition for targets, right? Uh, and he's gone. So uh, you look at you even look at some of Cook's receiving numbers last year. It was like it was disappointing. Don't get me wrong. Like we we thought James Cook would be in for a whole lot more than thirty one targets last year, but he saw he saw a target on twenty seven percent of his routes. That was fifth highest amongst running backs who saw at least thirty targets last year. His efficiency metrics actually fairly promising as a runner. 5.3 true yards per carry. That was second highest. 6.3 yards per touch. That was third highest. He had a 12.1% breakaway run rate. That's that's runs that go for 15 or more yards. That was first in the league. No, I get it. I get it. He only had he only had 84 rushing attempts last year. Like I get that. I'm not I'm not gonna sit uh, 91 rushing attempts, excuse me. I'm not gonna sit here and, and like pretend that like all like that that's a whole lot. I mean it was seven it was eleven breakaway runs total, but that was still seventeenth best amongst running backs last year. He recorded nineteen missed tackles on those ninety one attempts. Nineteen like again, it's not a lot, but you look at that ratio, nineteen missed tackles on, on ninety two attempts, that's actually pretty good. Here's what I have him statted out for this year. Okay, you ready for this? this is really going to blow your mind. He's my running back 24. I have him statted out for 157 rushing attempts, 746 yards, and four touchdowns. Anything about that scream special to you? No, not really. Okay, I have him, I have him statted out for 49 receptions on 68 targets for 404 yards and three touchdowns. Any, any, anything about that really stand out to you? No, not really. I, I just he, like this is the, this is the this is the advantage you get. This is the advantage you get with pass catching running backs in fantasy football is James Cook can see more than 60 targets this year, catch more than 40 balls, catch a few touchdowns along the way, and he doesn't have to see 200 plus touches like a Jameer Gibbs. He doesn't have to. And if he keeps that 5 yards per carry efficiency, oh brother. Like we're looking at a guy where he might only need again 150 rushing attempts, and he might top 700 yards. He could find his way into the end zone. Now, is four rushing touchdowns a little generous? Maybe, maybe. But at the same time, like it's not going to take much for James Cook to to creep his way up into the you know RB two range. And like, dare I say, like if anything happens to Damian Harris, if anything happens to I can't even say if anything happens to Latavius Murray because he's already the third string guy, but like there's similar, similar to Jameer Gibbs. There's a route to James Cook becoming the guy in Buffalo. Now, do I think they'd probably sign his brother, Dalvin, a Leonard Fournette, a Kareem Hunt before that? Potentially, potentially. But James Cook could be that dude. Like he could be in for, for a small little breakout season. So I, I'm starting to creep up on James Cook and, and stake my claim on him this year. It feels like it feels like he's Rashad White light, like <laughs> where it's but not, like at the same time, kind of not. Right, right. Uh, you know, like if you look at it from a lens of like again, you've got you know 
you've got a one-two punch in your backfield. You're the receiving guy instead, you know, when you look at the two guys, you're the receiving threat. Like, like again, you're going to fly under the radar a bit because again, your stat line, right? What you haven't set it out for doesn't scream, you know, wow, super efficient or wow. Look at the amount of carries that he got, but it's going to be solid enough to keep you, you know, to get you to relevancy to the point where people are going to be like, well, how did I miss that in drafts? Right. You're getting him eighth, ninth round. That's the best part. I would gladly take James Cook as a running back three, and I'll just load up on wide receivers. That's good by me. Mm. Okay, I just want to acknowledge we really didn't talk, talk about that many exciting names. I feel like some people are going to like scream like Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins. I just like, can we be honest? Like the potential for true running back one breakouts this year feels kind of like glum. Can we just acknowledge that? Uh, yeah, like I mean, the only the only you know hand, the the only player that we could talk about in that sense is Bijan. Everyone knows about Bijan, right? Yeah. Otherwise, you've got other players that really have already broken out. So it's just kind of like, who else could we talk about here? <laughs> and you're talking breakouts, like can't like we're talking guys who who like maybe Cam Makers has a better chance to finish top twelve than James Cook. Maybe J.K. Dobbins does. Maybe. I, I don't know. I don't know for sure, okay? There, we, we're just lacking... We're lacking the sense of who who's going to be that Tony Pollard this year. We like There was inklings of it last year with Tony Pollard. There was inklings of it. Because you knew Zeke was declining. Like, there, there was inklings of it last year, but, but this year, the top 12 seems pretty set. Top Dare I say, like, the top 15 feels pretty set yeah yeah i mean i mean there's room for that to shift around don't get me wrong but like i don't think i don't think a lot of people are going to sit here and like bang the drum for cam Akers to be drafted top 15 to have jk dobbins be top 15 to have alexander madison be top like i don't think there's many people banging that drum this year and so Mm -hmm. it, it, it just feels like there's like a lack of like true potential breakout this year we're kind of throwing darts at guys where it's like i'm just banking on their upside and if they get me to a high-end running back too like that's gonna be pretty good this year now right this all could look really stupid and all of a sudden you know there's tons of breakout running backs this year but like (laughs) if we're if we're thinking about like a true breakout a guy who's going to finish top 12 like it doesn't feel like there's all that much excitement around some of those guys this year or even some of those guys who are going like we, we could talk about Ramondre potentially having a breakout season, but I think you and I would both agree that that his breakout season was last year, considering where he was drafted and that he finished top 12 last year. Yeah. And, and you know, it's kind of similar to how you guys talked with Dave Kluge about like, how do you define a sleeper? Right. And how there's right, just right, this right. ambiguity with how you define sleeper. Same thing for breakout. Right. And I think what we're just trying to, what we're trying to point out is here are these guys that will kind of burst onto the scene in terms of relevancy versus again, we could talk about a guy like Ramondre, a guy like Bijan, a guy like Tony Pollard who could break out, but they're all guys that we either expect to break, you know, to break out already. And that are obvious across everyone's boards or guys that have pretty much done that already and have posted high finishes and have had good production in the past. So again, these are all guys that may not scream, you know, like, highest of upsides but they're guys that will that 
have a very good chance of breaking out and becoming a very relevant name moving forward into the future. Uh, and, and that's exactly it. Um, and I already know there's a few names on here that, that people are going to be upset about. Travis Etienne, Damian Pierce, among two guys that all three of us fellas are just very out on this year. So uh, you will not be finding them on this list, unfortunately. Not that I don't think they could have good seasons, but like Etienne, I think, is being drafted close to his ceiling. Damian Pierce, I think, is being drafted close to his ceiling. I think some of these other guys like could break out and actually finish significantly higher than their ADP this year. Like, it, just, go, just go check out my, you know, my video about who you should let your league mates draft. You'll find Travis Etienne and Damian Pierce on that video. Uh, yeah, so we are coming out with YouTube videos twice a week. We'll be going up to three times a week during the season. We have podcasts coming out every single day. Shorts coming out, or podcasts coming out once a week, excuse me. Shorts coming out every single day. I got, in my head, I got ahead of myself there. Uh, so if you, say, That's if you, a lot of podcasts. That's a lot of podcasts. <laughs> I know we, we aren't the fancy footballers. We're not quite there yet. Um, we got a ways to go before we get there. But uh, hey, you know, if you do enjoy fantasy football content, uh, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications so you can be alerted when new episodes are up literally every single day. New videos are coming up every single day. Uh, Ty, before we kick it over to wide receivers, let's take a quick break and hear from our good friends over at Underdog Fantasy. Today's podcast episode is brought to you by our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. Now, we love Underdog. It is the easiest place to play best ball formats, and they even have their own form of player props called Pick'em. You can make up to 20 times your money on a single night by correlating props together. Two picks will triple your money, three will six times it, four will ten times it, and five plays that all hit will multiply your entry by 20. You can even place insurance on your picks too, so if only four of your five props hit, you still get ten times your entry. And if you use our code FELLAS when signing up, Underdog is going to double your first deposit up to $100. Alrighty, we are back. We're gonna go through my, wide receiver. You, you were off, weren't you? I don't. I don't. I, well, I and I pointed. Camera. I pointed off the screen too, so it, it looked <laughs> weird. I was like, yeah, and, and then just yeah. Oh well. It looked like you just gave up instead of actually finishing it out. I get it. I, I get it. I did. <laughs> we're gonna get into wide receivers now. Uh, again, we're not gonna bring up Garrett Wilson. We're not gonna bring up Chris Olave. Because these are guys that you already know are going to break out this year. Okay. Like we're we're gonna steer away from those obvious names and try and give you some more value uh to some of these other players that um are are getting potentially even overlooked as breakout candidates because those two typically dominate the conversation or are the obvious ones who are getting all the respect right now. So uh Ty, I'll have you start here. Uh both of your picks actually come from the same draft class. Uh I'll let you choose which one you want to start with, but who is your uh first favorite breakout wide receiver this year? I'm going to start with the one that'll get people to be like what? How did what? Uh it's Drake London, okay? And yes, I know that he's on the Falcons and I know that the Falcons just drafted Bijan Robinson. And yes, I know that the Falcons have Kyle Pitts as well. But Kyle, uh, Drake London his advanced metrics kind of are, are, you know, they are not being talked about enough in my opinion. And, you know, maybe, you know, you, we can chalk it up to, well, the Falcons didn't really have a receiving threat out of the backfield and they don't really use Kyle Pitts. And I'm, and I'm just going to sit here and just say, uh, one of those is true going into this season too, right? Kyle Pitts is not a scheme fit. He will get targets. 
but I'm expecting Drake London to out-target Kyle Pitts. And I don't think Kyle Pitts is really going to take away from Drake London. So maybe the better way to explain it is by going through just the advanced metrics that I referenced earlier. Drake London was fifth in target share of all wide receivers last year. He was second in targets per route run, which is phenomenal. He was 11th in yards per route run. He was 18th in red zone targets with 15. So it wasn't like the Falcons were afraid to throw the ball or didn't want to throw the ball in the red zone. They like to. Again, 15 targets for Drake London. And London had 10 games with seven or more targets, which is really great. That's what you want to see from a wide receiver one. And he was eighth in weighted opportunity. Now, Lucas, correct me if I'm wrong, but weighted opportunity really just kind of levels out the playing field between all receivers to see who is getting the most opportunity. Is that just a simplified way of explaining it? Uh, it's a very simplified way of explaining it because essentially weighted opportunity, what it does is it balances out target share and air yards. So, so a guy like Drake London, um, who had, who, who's going to have a stupid high target share last year because he was the only wide receiver in, in the Falcons offense. Let's be honest. Um, mm-hmm. and Kyle Pitts went down, right? His target share is stupid high. Uh, what was he third in target share last year? I'm, I'm literally looking on, on Matthew Brady's fantasy life right now. If you go, if you go, yeah, second last year. So if you, if you go to fantasylife.com, um, you can get all of these stats. Yeah, Drake London, what do you have? 29.5% target share last year. That's just crazy. Yep. If you go to fantasylife.com, you go to stats and info, and you scroll down to air yards. Uh, you can get all these metrics that, that Tyler's talking about here. Um, friends of the show, love them over at Matthew Berry's Fantasy Life. Um, yeah, so weighted opportunity, what it does is essentially it balances out um, a player's target share. So Drake London, who has a stupid high target share, um, and it balances that out with an air yard share. So wide receivers who are then just seeing a crap ton of air yards if you're just like a deep threat wide receiver, right? It balances both of those things out so you're not getting you know, favorable weight one way or the other. So what it does, weighted opportunity takes one and a half times the target share of a player, and then it adds it to 70% of a player's air yard share. So uh, for instance, for Drake London, I'm going to look on Matthew Berry's fantasy life here. I'm going to take both of those numbers for you. So his air yard share last year, um, I Gosh, it's not even on the first. Oh, here, here's what I can do. I can look at his target share and then look. So, um, Drake London, he had a 31.3% air yard share last year. So you would multiply 31.3 times 0.7. Uh, then you would multiply his 29.5% target share by 1.5, and you would add those two together to get his weighted opportunity of 66.1, which ties correct would have been eighth best last year so yeah essentially in a nutshell it balances out the amount of targets and also the depth of targets a player gets to have more of a level playing field in terms of how much how how um how big of a role in the offense does that wide receiver actually play and how much are they just a deep threat if that makes sense that's That's like the long-winded nerdy way (laughs) of explaining it but if you're at this point in the season you're looking for all the competitive edge you can get weighted opportunity also has an 83 percent correlation to fantasy points um that's worth throwing out there as well so relatively very strong correlation to, to fantasy points yeah so there are two things that we need to um call out as false okay the first is the narrative that this Falcons offense is just bad and that they don't really throw the ball a whole lot. And there's just not enough for receivers to thrive. Uh, 
sure, I can I understand where you get that argument again because Bijan is there now and Arthur Smith likes to run the ball, but they threw the ball quite a bit with Desmond Ritter. And he averaged about 28, 29 attempts per game. Mariota averaged 23 attempts per game, average of that 25. I think that's enough for guy for Bijan, Pitts, and London. Okay. And if you get 30% of those, that's eight. There's still then 17 left for the other guys. So, you know, I think again, being the wide receiver one on this Falcons team is there is enough to what's the word produce. There it is. Secondly, with Desmond Ritter last year, and granted this was with Kyle Pitts out, but it's still worth noting with a better passer like Desmond Ritter, Drake London was the wide receiver 18. He was eighth in receptions. He was 10th in targets and he was eighth in yards. Okay. The only thing that's going to really hold Drake London back this year is touchdowns. Okay. Because when they get to the red zone, yes, I did say that he got 15 red zone targets, but those don't always equate to touchdowns. Bijan's going to run the ball in if they get within the five. But again, there's still volume here for the Falcons receivers, and especially Drake London, who's going into year two of not only the system, but his career, who has a better passer in Desmond Ritter. And I know Desmond Ritter is not going to be, you know, a breakout quarterback this year. Why? It's going to be really (laughs) right. Really? it's going to be better than Marcus Mariota. Okay. And I think the, the, the second thing that we need to dispel is, you know, Drake London was the wide receiver 38. I want to say 38, 39, maybe when both him and Pitt, on the year, both him. Oh, no, no, no. When him and Kyle Pitts were healthy. Yeah, I think sorry, a lot of people, you're good. You're good. I think a lot of people automatically just jump to the conclusion that, well, Drake London can't be good when Kyle Pitts is healthy. Uh, no, because Kyle Pitts was also not great when both were healthy. And that's just an overall sign of the offense at that point, right? Give this offense a chance, right? You've got a, again, you've got a better passer now. Bijan, the ball is not going to be just, you know, run down the defense's throat every single time. That's the, that's the, the perception that a lot of people have of the Falcons. Drake London right now is going at a spot where you're taking a, it's a good investment for a second year wide receiver, in my opinion. So Drake London isn't going to be for everyone, but he is for me because I know that there's going to be enough volume for the receiver one in this offense. And there's going to be yardage too, because they like to use their guys downfield. Drake London is a very good downfield guy. So, I, I again, no one. It's tough to sell Drake London because again, it's the Falcons. But he's worth his wherever he goes in drafts right now because second year leap is certainly a thing with Drake London this year. I think uh, I hear everything you said. I here here's my here's my contingent point uh, on where I stand on Drake London. I need to see it from Desmond Ritter first. Like we got what? So four? How many four game sample size with Desmond Ritter last year? Yep. Four games is a small sample. I I want to like Desmond Ritter. He might be a good Arthur Smith quarterback. I, 
the opportunity is there for Drake London. The opportunity is there. Like you look at the wide receivers going around Drake London on underdog right now. He's going as the wide receiver 22. Um, ahead of him, Debo Samuel at 18, Keenan Allen, Jerry Judy, Christian Watson. I would I would take Keenan Allen and Jerry Judy ahead of Drake London for sure. Um, you could maybe talk me into Debo. DeAndre Hopkins, Terry McLaurin, Mike Williams, DJ Moore, Christian Kirk all go afterwards. Chris Godwin, Deontay Johnson, Mark. Like then you're starting to get into guys where it's like, yeah, I would definitely take Drake London ahead of those guys. So the, the price you're paying for Drake London isn't even all that bad right now. And if these advanced metrics do prove that he can be successful, that prove that that he can take a leap this next year, that Desmond Ritter can feed him the ball with a Kyle Pitts on the field, with a Bijan Robinson on the field, like he could he could be in for a nice a nice breakout season. Um, you know, we're, we're looking at a top fifteen finish from Drake London. I, I, they brought in what Mac Hollins as the wide receiver too now, so it's not like he has any competition in the wide receiver room either. Like practically, we could be in for another sizable weighted opportunity for for Drake London this year. So yeah, I I, I don't hate that. He again, you, you said it. Drake London isn't everybody's cup of tea. He's really not my cup of tea. Not to make a, a British pun there with London, but um, I he yeah I, that was pretty bad. I know he's not everybody's cup of tea, but. The, the opportunity is there. I, I can't deny that the opportunity is there. I'm going to move on before we just talk the roll this episode off the wheels. Uh, <laughs> I said when we had Dave Kluge on two weeks ago, I told you it wasn't going to be the last time I talk about this player. It wasn't the first time. It's certainly not going to be the last time, and I would be willing to bet the case here again. It's not going to be the last time I tell you about Jahan Dotson. Yes, sir. Okay. I'm going to pound it into your skull until you you all wisen up and quit drafting him as a wide receiver 39, <laughs> okay? From week 13 on, right? We all know the start of the season, he started off hot. He got injured. He was eased back into action. I told you this narrative how many times? From week 13 on, the wide receiver 15 of fancy points per game. I even found a few new metrics here for you. Ready for this? Uh, during that stretch, he led Washington. Uh, I've already told you he led the team in targets per outrun at 29.9%. I already told you that he led the team in target share at 23.8%. You don't know where else he led the Washington Commanders in, though? Air yard share. 34.8% air yard share he led the Commanders in. Now, on the season, this is another new metric. You ready for this? On the season, 61.1% contested catch rate. Ooh. Only three drops. That's That's good. For well, if you remember when we had Hayden Winks on, we talked about Jahan Dotson. This was a guy who who profiled to be better, uh, uh, more fit to be like a, a shifty slot receiver, gain some yak in the NFL. Washington said, "Screw that, we're going to throw him on the outside. If he if he can go out, go and get some, get get some downfield for us, we'll let him do that." The, he proved that. He went up 61.1% contested catch rate. That's incredible. I didn't I did not realize his his contested catch rate was that high. That was 13th best in the league last year. And you compare Terry McLaurin to Jahan Dotson during that week 13 on stretch when they were both healthy on the field. Uh again, Terry McLaurin, 15.3 yards per reception. Jahan Dotson, 16.4. Yeah, I, I I like Jahan Dotson there. 238 air yards to 233. Again, pretty, pretty dang close. 113 to 111 yards after the catch. Again, we we know Jahan Dotson had the higher target share. Uh, and Terry McLaurin, 15.5 fantasy points, excuse me, to 14.7 for Jahan Dotson. So, like, these guys aren't that far apart. The chasm 
Like, like there's there's room for Jahan Dotson to, to make an even bigger leap this year. I don't care that you don't like Sam Howell uh, and Jacoby Brissett. I didn't like Taylor Heineke and Carson Wentz last year, and I'm going to guess you didn't either. You bring in Eric Bieniemy now as well, who's worked with a lot of gadget guys in Kansas City, who worked with getting the ball intentionally into playmakers' hands in Kansas City. What, like, all of a sudden, we're going to get scheme touches for Jahan Dotson. He's not just going to be, a, all right, go and get one for us, Jahan, anymore. Like, that's not going to be his role anymore. Eric Bieniemy is going to get crafty, right? So I'm I'm loving the opportunity for for Jahan Dotson to to break out this year. Um, there, there's there's a wide receiver two upside there, hundred percent. I firmly believe that, uh, and, and we could see a nice little breakout from Jahan Dotson this year. I, w- I won't beat a dead horse. It's all stuff I've told you before. If you haven't been listening, <laughs> I was going to say it's just like Jameer Gibbs. Like there is not we we have talked about this over and over and over again. There is not much else to add other than. If you're not following it, if you don't follow it at this point, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> there's no other way we can explain it other than he's a good player. Yes, the situation may not look good on paper. It bodes well for him. Otherwise, they're good players. Draft good players. <laughs> Drafted ahead of Traylon Burks, the 2022 NFL draft too. Higher draft yeah. capital than Jalen Burks, who everybody is drafting ahead of him right now. Oh my gosh, don't even get me started. All right, Ty. Let's talk. Let's talk <laughs> about some new players here. Um, well, I guess this one is new. My next player is like semi-new. We haven't talked about him on the pod much. We've talked about him uh on the YouTube channel quite a bit. But um, your player, I don't know if we've set a peep about yet this year. Uh, and you're really starting to come up on your second favorite wide res- breakout wide receiver here. Yeah, let me maybe. Do I have this up? So currently I'm working through reworking a bunch of my receivers in, in my section of the draft guide. I had Pickens early thirties. He is now going to be my wide receiver 29. I love George Pickens this year. And I, I can't get a read on exactly what it is that's causing people to be hesitant on Pickens. Cause I hear so many different things. So I'm, you know, I'm just going to try to dispel as much as I can by just reading off some of the stats that I found on, on Pickens. Do you know that George Pickens was 16th in routes ran last year? The 16th most. And it seemed like he was, he got a slow start last year. That's what it seemed like. Mm-hmm. He was on the field a lot. He was third in dot. He was seventh in deep targets. Now those are all great and stuff, but like, can you actually like pull those down? Can you make catches off of those? Uh, yeah, he did. He was 13th in contested catch percentage. That's great to see from a downfield threat. He was 18th in fantasy points per target. Great. Also, he was 15th in QBR per target. Now again, He's a, he was a deep threat. He was a downfield guy. Kenny Pickett, right? And if this is where a lot of people are hesitant on George Pickens is because of Kenny Pickett, here's the thing. Pickett was ninth in deep ball completion percentage. And player profiler had Pickett sixth in deep ball accuracy rating and first in deep ball catchable pass rate. I... <laughs> 
Kenny Pickett proved that he can get the ball downfield. And I know everyone's going to be like, well, the small hands, and he doesn't really have that great of arm strength. He proved it otherwise last year. And I will admit, Pickens is a riskier breakout candidate because you still have Deontay Johnson, who saw 147 targets last year, and you still have Pat Fryermuth, who saw 98 targets last year. And this offense is still run-first offense. It still goes through Najee Harris. But there were arguments when George Pickens was coming out of uh, coming out of college. Had it not been for injuries, he would have been the wide receiver one in the draft class, which is crazy when you think about it because there are guys like Drake London, who I just talked about. Garrett Wilson went two picks after Drake London. Chris Olave went two picks after Garrett Wilson. Then we got Jahan Dotson. Then we got Traylon Burks, right? There was an argument that Pickens would have been the wide receiver one if he stayed healthy in college. So look, his talent, alone should make you believe in a sophomore leap, right? And it's a debate as to where we see an up, you know, if he goes up in targets, where he gets those targets from. But I, where he's going in drafts right now, it's really just a bet on talent. And I think George Pickens in that range of drafts is probably the most talented receiver out of that bunch. I, you know, it's too early or he goes too early to say that he's a flyer. No, he's not a flyer. But, I, I think right, he's a, right, like, right, right. I think you're taking him as a wide receiver three on a handful of your teams. If not a wide receiver four. he's the ideal wide receiver four for your team. Sure. Because you're not forcing him into your lineup while still reaping the benefits of a sophomore leap. Should he take it? And I think he does. It may not look super great. Again, I've got him as my wide receiver 29. So a sophomore leap is not a top 25 or top 20 thing or a top 20 finish. But again, these are guys that can break out into relevancy. And I firmly believe that George Pickens can take that step forward and become another relevant piece in this Steelers offense. So just for the sake of time, so I'll spare my thoughts because I, I, I like George Pick. I like here, here's what I'll say. I like Jahan Dotson better, but George Pickens is right in that range where if anybody of the the Traylon Burks of uh, the Jahan Dotson, Jordan Addison, like I would take George Pickens ahead of Traylon Burks. Honestly, like if if, if yes. those slew of wide receivers are gone, um, George Pickens is easily the guy there because I think he does possess a high amount of upside. Here, here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll ask though. Not not because we have these players on our dynasty teams and we're in the same league together. Well, what do you think about working out a deal for, for Saquon Barkley, George Pickens and, and Jameer Gibbs and Jordan Addison working out a trade core of those. We'll four. See. We, we can figure out the details. We can figure out the details. But <laughs> details. Well, let, let's yeah. start. Let, let, let's talk about, let's talk about a deal around those, those core four. Uh, well, I mean, it's different now that that Saquon's back on a one-year deal because when we first started talking about this deal, there's no guarantees that it was going to happen. Right. There was potential that he wasn't going to play. So Lucas was trying to be sly and trying to give me a player that wouldn't be playing. And I saw right (laughs) through it. But again, like, I don't think it's too crazy to at least entertain the idea 
in dynasty of a Saquon and Gibbs right running back swap, and that I, we're not. I'm not going to get into the values, but no, no, we, we, we don't need to talk about this. I just realized yeah, that as we were talking about three, you know, two of these guys on the episode. I, I don't think I would do it because I can't take the humiliation that I would get from people like in comments or anything saying, oh, yeah, George no, Pickett, no, no. What, what are you doing? I'm not asking you to accept it right now. I'm asking you to work out. I'm just asking you to have a conversation. That's all I'm doing. I'm, a, I'm asking you out on a trade date. That's what I'm asking you out. <laughs> I, on time. I will entertain. That's what I'm there saying. we go. That's all I'm looking for. Uh, I will, <laughs> I'll bring us home. <laughs> Uh, with Jerry Judy, I've talked about him on the channel a little bit. If you if you go watch our five wide receivers with insane upside, you even look at our top 20 wide receivers or top 24 wide receiver tier list for this year. Uh, he will be in the second part of that. Cameron breaks him down there. Um, I just here, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep it kind of short and sweet on Jerry Judy. I just want let's start by making a few observations. You don't trade a first round pick for a head coach that's historically renowned and, and is an offensive guru to have the Denver Broncos offense just suck for two years in a row. You don't do that. Okay. As Dave pointed out, Dave Kluge pointed out on our Sleepers podcast episode, you don't allocate $140 million to the offensive line to have this offense suck for two years in a row. You, you don't do that. You don't sign Samaj P. Ryan, who's an incredibly good pass blocking running back. You don't sign him to a contract, to a multi-year contract to have this offense suck for two years in a row, you don't do it. The Broncos will be better, Russell Wilson will be better, and Sean Payton will make sure this offense is better, and he would have to be blind to not see that Jerry Judy is the best wide receiver on this team. Cortland Sutton looked like a shell of himself last year. Tim Patrick coming off of a major injury. And frankly, like I know there's a lot of Tim Patrick hype right now, but let's be real with ourselves. Tim Patrick is not going to be more than a bench stash on your team this year. They, I know they drafted Marvin Mims. He ain't first-round draft capital Jerry Judy. Best route runner in his draft class, Jerry Judy. That might be debatable with C.D. Lamb now, but you get my point. Jerry Judy finished top 20 in all these metrics. Ready for this? I'm going to I'm gonna run a list down. Turn, turn your listening ears on. Total touchdowns. Yards per reception. Fancy points per game. Fancy points per route run. Yards per route run. Yards after catch. Fancy points per target. Deep targets. Dominator rating, which is an important stat when you look at, oh, I don't know, he's the best wide receiver on his freaking team, uh, and yards per target. You, you, you're probably thinking Lucas' top 20 is a pretty low bar. Yeah, I mean, it is, but, but let's be honest with Connect the dots with me. If the Broncos were putrid last year, if they sucked as bad as they did, the only way is up, is it not? You you can say yes or no to that. Yes. So for Judy to be top 20 in all these metrics, I understand Corton Sutton in and out, no Tim Patrick. I I get that. No Marvin Mims. I, I, I understand that. But like for how awful they were last year, for how awful Russ was as a quarterback last year, I think, being top 20 in those metrics is a bigger feat than we probably want to give him credit for. And like we saw brilliance from Jerry Judy to close out the season from week 13 on, he was the wide receiver six overall averaging 18 and a half fantasy points per game. Russell Wilson was brilliant during that stretch. He had the fifth most receiving yards with 532. He was averaging 14.6 yards per reception. Those are great numbers. So if we get that Jerry Judy for a longer stretch of 2023, we're talking, we're talking a breakout coming. Like we are talking a breakout season coming for Jerry Judy. If we do get, those kind of numbers for a longer stretch than just the, the last four weeks of the season. Now, now I also want to say this, okay? This is also important I point out. This is the last year. This is it. Th- this is the last chance for Jerry Judy. 
Because if it doesn't get better this year, it's not going to get better. Like that's that's what we need to recognize too. If he can't get it done this year with all the changes and upgrades that have been made, then when when is it going to happen? I'm not saying Jerry Judy can't be a good fantasy football pick in future years, but if we're expecting a breakout, like like the leap to be a top 15, a top 12 guy in fantasy football, football, excuse me. If this isn't the year, when is it going to be the year? I don't know. So I, I think this is the kind of last year you can hope for a breakout for Jerry Judy and all the cards are lined up in his favor now for that to happen. So I'm willing to chalk up last year's Broncos to a Nathaniel Hackett nightmare, a Russell Wilson nightmare. And I think all of a sudden this year, now the Broncos are going to be a much better offense than people are probably expecting. Do you not need, I said it all just speechless. I left you speechless. I, I talked to you into maybe I need to include Jerry Judy into that deal instead of George. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, we, we would have to, I, we'd have to figure out, we have to figure out the extra pieces. Uh, I don't we'll mind. I don't mind. <laughs> we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Uh, that's it for this episode of the Fantasy Football Fellows Podcast. So, breakout running backs and wide receivers of fantasy football this year. If you're not subscribed to the podcast already, make sure you do that. Uh, give us a nice little review. Uh, helps us out tremendously. Pushes it up the board. Um, hey, you know what? We're making progress. Uh. I believe we're top 90 fantasy football podcast. We're making, we're making Thank strides. You. We're making strides. Uh, look, Hey, the only way is up. Started from the bottom. As Drake said, we aren't there yet, but uh, started from the bottom, baby. We'll, we'll work our way up. Uh, this episode's going off the rails. I need to close this out soon. Uh, leave us a nice little review on Spotify, Apple podcast, wherever you get your podcast from. We're, we're greatly appreciative of the support you all do give the podcast and the YouTube channel as well. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, make sure to subscribe, turn on those notifications so you know when new videos are up every single day in the form of those those short form videos, those 15, 20 minute videos to short 60 second form videos every single day. Those are coming up, right? Uh, and the podcast coming once a week as well. Uh, we're going to have an exciting guest on next week's episode. You're not going to want to miss that. That's going to be a lot of fun next week. Um, we're, we're, we're grateful for all the support you all give us. Again, if you want a draft guide, fellowsdraftguide.com, $10 on the website. Or if you'd rather just come play fantasy football with us and throw that football to come play against us, you can do that. Sign up for Underdog Fantasy with the code FELLAS. They'll double that $10 and turn it into 20 and you'll get our draft guide for free. That, that, that's the obvious choice, isn't it, not, Ty? That's the best bang for your buck, as they like to say in the business. There it is. The best bang for your buck is to use the code fellas on Underdog Fantasy because you'll get that draft guide for free and they'll double your first deposit up to $100 to play fantasy football on their site, NFL Pickums, NFL Futures. Uh, they got more than NFL on there too. So if you're if you're a soccer fan, if you're a baseball fan, any any other fan, you can, you can do a ton on Underdog Fantasy. Great friends of the show. We're greatly appreciative of them that wraps out this episode thanks for tuning in we will be back next week to talk best and worst values in your fantasy football drafts right now again i'm at lucas once on twitter at tyler underscore plath you can follow the fellows main page at ff fellas on twitter we will see you all next week deuces deuces